0: This was one of Castro's personal guards. This guy had, I mean, immensely trained. This guy had been making a plan for months on how to get out of this airplane and how to get this airplane on the ground and how to figure out how to get away. He takes his glasses off. He is chained at this time, at this point. And he takes his right glass and breaks it. And he takes it and slits the throat of the guy that's sitting in the back with him. We get to a point where we're, we're now in firing range. And we start doing some commands and he turns around and he starts doing this chant in Spanish. Then we could see he's pumping himself up. He knows he's trapped. He knows I have gone to the end of my end. This is it. I'm either going to kill them or they're gonna kill me and this is where we're gonna be in life. You know, I worked those riots for 26 days and I have never seen chaos in the streets like that. But watching downtown burn and watching those mobs go, le- just let loose on our downtown. And, and we were the only thing from, from between them than taking over the entire downtown. And people don't understand that. You always try to touch something, to a legacy. In, in high school, I left behind FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes. I started it in college, started our fraternity. And, you know, you think about there's a legacy you left behind. ATO is going to be one of those legacies. If, if was I was like, who would you idolize if you were the president that was out there? I said, Ronald Reagan. But the biggest thing is the conservative values that, that go through my blood are the same type of values.
1: You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast, brought to you by the Assistant Officer Foundation. And we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide.
2: All right, welcome back once again to the ATO's Bridging the Divide podcast. My name is Randy and I'm going to, we're going to do things a little bit different today. The crew's changed up. Joe King is here once again as always. And we have a special guest host, Chris Webb. And I'm uh, very excited to introduce our next guest. He's a fellow San Antonian, GSG. His parents and my dad went to the same high school, go cowboys. Uh, we grew up miles apart, and we didn't meet until I got at the academy and went to Southwest Patrols almost 25 years ago, and he's been a great friend for 25 years. He's the reason I got involved with the DPA back in about 2007. Uh, I sat in my first pack meeting because of him. He's one of the toughest, most resilient, busiest men that I've had the privilege to call a friend. One Halloween, I dressed up as, social, as his social media account, and that was a lot of fun he's a dedicated family man and his beautiful family his wife's Tracy daughter Peyton Cameron and his youngest son Gunner. he's currently assigned to the Intel unit and the US Marshall Fugitive Task Force he's a VP for the Dallas Police Association he's vice-chair of the ATO he's the DPA PAC chairman and he's a councilman for the city of McKinney he's a man of many hats and I'm sure I missed one of his hats but uh, it's my honor to introduce Frederick
0: Fraser. Is there like supposed to be a crowd noise going? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's yeah, what yeah. make it. We're making it right now. What I was wondering. We'll edit that
1: in. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I always think of like the uh, what's that movie? The with the, the shock jock. Uh,
2: uh, Robin Williams. The uh, Hello Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam. No, 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 no. The shock jock. Oh. Uh, the- Howard, Stern. Howard Stern. Stern, yeah, in and the movie. You know <laughs> <when> you, you <laughs> would, yeah, so we, we can't really even get Howard Stern out of here. Yeah. yeah,
0: and when he always did the intro and he had, and Robin would do all the sound. Sa- yeah. Fred would do the sound. Robin would be in the background making. So that, it was always. I, well, I mean, you, the movie still was oh, really oh. good.
1: Frederick, thank you for being on with us. Uh, we've been trying to get you in here for for weeks. You're kind of a hard guy to get locked down. We're gonna go ahead and dive right into. It if you're ready, yeah, let's do it. So you grew up in San Antonio. What what made
0: you apply with DPD? What drew you here? Uh, well, it's a funny story. So one of my neighbors is Dean Hable. He's the he's the uh, president president. Sorry, he's the chief of police over at Anna, Texas. He uh, he was walked by our our fraternity table at at uh, at UTSA and said, uh, "Hey man, you know that uh, Dallas is going to be in town tomorrow?" And I said, "No, I didn't." And he's like, "Yeah, they're going to be." Over here at this uh at SAC and they're gonna be doing interviews. Uh they're gonna start do, take start taking applications. They're hiring. Uh and at that time, uh, San Antonio was on a hiring freeze. So we were both kind of waiting on the the San Antonio spots to to unfreeze and, and them to start hiring again. but it wasn't it didn't look like it was gonna come anytime soon. So I go to go meet Dean over there. I end up meeting uh who's now Chief Reyes, uh who does uh, who signs me up and then we start from there. Dean never shows. And okay. I find out the next day, I'm like, hey, where were you? You know, I thought we were going to go over there and meet together. This is before cell phones, you know. No one had, you, you had to go find a payphone. You, you want to call know, each or other. Page and or page guess, somebody, guess, right? And so, uh, no, we had pagers because I had a pager. I, I was like a walking dope dealer. <laughs> and, and so, I, and he goes, man, I didn't go because they have the eye exam. I would have failed the eye exam. And I said, they, I didn't, they didn't have an eye exam. And still to this day, one of the smartest individuals I know on this planet. We talk about the eye exam that didn't exist. Well, and, he would have been, and he would have been a Dallas police and officer. I think it worked oh, out. Yeah. I think it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And Dean went on to to a Farmers Branch uh, who hired him right off the box, and he became a chief over there. He's he worked his way up. And it's, I know this is not about Dean, but uh, somebody I admire, somebody I I uh, look up as a mentor. And uh, and he's now the chief of police over at Anna, and he's got his own crew to run, and he's doing a great job. I know Nate Pike is the mayor there; a dear friend of mine. And, and Nate said they couldn't have hired a better person. So anyway, that's the that's how I ended up with getting to Dallas. Uh, in the in the in the short ray.
1: So during the academy class, you what are some of your classmates that ended <laughs> up being lifelong friends?
0: Yeah, what are they
2: doing right now? Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, What would they turn out to be uh, you talk about talking about like uh, Tracy and Mata and. And uh who are they? Ruben. Uh, <laughs> uh you know, so Ruben's obviously a chief. Mata's the president of the DPA. Uh I got him involved uh, with the DPA because of Mata's own style of leadership. Uh and plus he was working at the Academy at the time. And I went out there at the Academy just for a training. That's when we did the training cycles were at the Academy. Our in service was there. And I watched how he was with the recruits and how and how he he made them felt feel like that that everything was going to be perfect. It, it, he made them feel like that because you know how it is when you're in your academy. How many people were in your class that were from Dallas? Hardly any, right? There's hardly any. And so, but he made them feel at home. And I knew that that same style leadership that Mike had at the academy, that he could bring it over here to the the Dallas Police Association, was dearly needing that uh, that type of leadership. And he and he did, and he's been a has been a great friend from the day one at the academy He's been a dear friend working here at the d p a um you know and and everyone everyone on the on the inside knows that it was probably me being more groomed to be the president for the d p a than Michael was. but when you see Mike and you see what he brings to the table, there's folks like me that have to recognize talent and and recognizing that talent right off the box knows that that talent needs to come before you. And I would be a better second man than a first man, if that makes any sense. And so we've been tied to the hip since we've been doing the DPA stuff together because that is the person I would want to, I would do anything for that man. And I think he'd do the same for me. But he's been a better president for this association. uh, And he broke a cycle that we needed to break for a long time. Perfect.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What class, what academy class was that? Uh, 248. 248. Yeah. That's some pretty good, That's yeah. Y'all's y-
2: y- 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 class, y- 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 class uh, sounds a little bit more, uh, better than what 252 turned out to be. Uh,
0: I don't know. 252 is uh, good, mm-hmm. you know. And, <laughs> and, and, you you got to remember, uh, two classes before that was like uh, Kurt Hibbets and Preston Browning, and that whole crew was two fi- 246. That was a class I was supposed to be in, and when they called me, I was, I was right in the middle of my semester at UTSA, and I and they and I can't remember the recruiter's name. Uh, but he called, and he said, you'll never, ever get this chance again. And I said, okay. And I just hung, we just hung up. Well, you know what? I remember Ruben quit school
2: in the middle of, because he when y'all started, he quit, because we had a class together. So he quit in the middle of the, I couldn't believe
0: he was doing that, but he, he didn't oh, take that yeah. chance you did. Yeah, I, I took the chance, and they called back in December, said if you could be here in December. I was like, perfect, I'll be done by then. And uh, so I, I took the chance, and they called me back. It's funny, is when I was in the academy class, uh, I got called by Austin to come because uh, they the, my application had gone through and everything had had finalized there, and I decided not to go take that chance. Um, and that's and that's I'm and then looking back now and then I had a chance to go to San Antonio, I didn't take that. I ended up doing their physical fitness, taking all I the, took their exam. I t- ended up number one on their list, and uh, they, they finished my background. And at that time, the economy was doing so gangbusters up here, and Tracy's work was going gangbusters. Everything was perfect for us here. We didn't see a reason why we would start all over again and going back to San Antonio. And so looking back at it now, we made one of the most fantastic uh, God, and everything just aligned, everything for us, and it just put us in a place that we needed to be. So it's, it's life, you know, that moves on. That's a that was a win for us. Lost yeah. lost for
3: them, but right. definitely win for us. All right, so you get out of the academy, you go to Southwest. Talk about uh, talk about working small groups like forty forties. What do you, what, what what stands out? What stands out? Because you've always been a part of smaller groups. Yep. Um, team small teams. What what stood out about Southwest and forty forties for you?
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great scenario. Because uh, first of all, I gotta I gotta talk about the first day on the job on days, and I'm riding with Dan Marino. The whammy, whammy, right? And it, and so everyone thinks of Dan Marino, the, the guy that sells the Isotoner gloves. So this is not that guy. Not that guy. So this is a Google this fly. is a five four, <laughs> roly poly guy that that laughs and and all he wants to do is chase stolen cars. That he lived the first day we're in the car, and he's telling me how many car chases he's been in in the last month. I don't remember the number, but. But I remember he's like, "Can you run? You look like Superman." And I'm like, <laughs> "I can run," and and you know, you're you're coming out of the academy. You're fast. Uh, I just been com- I've been playing rugby my entire college, you know, life. I I I was very fit, and uh, and he's not. <laughs> and and uh, but he had a fast car, and he was a great driver. It was like that movie Twins with yeah George- <laughs> Nigren, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And so that this is this. I just got to tell this story before we get to the forty forties. Because this, this story was like a life-changing story. And I've told it to lots of groups across the country. This is when we used to chase cars. We used to do real police work. We used to do the streets were ours. And uh, there's a car chase. We're not even close to it. But we get in it. And now we're like second or third car. And we're going over there by uh, our page circle and all that area off of Poke, And we are flying. And uh, the, the bad guys, and there's they're in a stolen car. You know how it goes. They go to those apartments. And they're trying to get over there and bail out of that car and get out. Well, Air One's over us at the time, and then and he is and he is running low, and he had already passed us once. And this is when our helicopter pilots were out of Vietnam. They they had flown in places where choppers weren't supposed to fly, and they had flown choppers that weren't supposed to fly. So they're flying that Bell, and that goes by us, and then it comes by us, and those guys bail out of that car. And I'll never forget this, but I had a G Shock watch on on my left wrist. And I caught it on the the uh, the door when I was coming out, and it tore it right off. But when I when it fell, I'm like, "Oh my god, my watch!" And these <laughs> and, and Heat Marino is screaming, "Get them!" And, and I start to go, and the helicopter goes by by us again, lower. And he turns it on the side, and he puts the fan blades down uh-huh. to try to scare those guys for trying to get to the woods back wow. there. And now all I see is this giant helicopter that looks to me going to crash into these <laughs> apartments. And all I see is these three guys that have stole this car sliding on the ground, thinking they're going to be chopped by the helicopter. And that we go we end up getting them. The helicopter, and that's when the helicopter used to have that old siren on the bottom of it, and he would go <laughs> by and go woo, woo woo, and it sounded like he was doing a crank machine underneath yeah. of it. And so that was my first day. On the job and I thought this is the best job in the whole <laughs> yeah, wide world the first day and and uh, and you know and then you know days are good and days are bad but uh, shortly after that there was an opening in the 4040s which is a a small group uniform deployment group folks don't understand what uniform deployment means it means you're a police officer in a squad car in uniform but you're working complaints and that complaint could be car wash selling drugs. It complaint could be a home selling drugs. It can pl- it could be a, an ice cream vendor selling drugs. It could be anything that it it is causing some type of drug disturbance or sometimes robberies. Uh, we did we did the robberies in the driveways, especially off Keese Road, uh, and so we would be assigned to work those, and we work third watch. The so third watch means you're working three to eleven, and you're working in, into those those evening hours where the call load's really the heaviest, and so. I got sent over to to forty forties. I think I'd have been on like about six months at the time. It wasn't long, uh, and I stayed there for a long time, seven years. I promoted, uh, promoted during that process before four years, and then and then, and then got had to go train for a little bit, and then uh, got put back in the forty forties, uh, and then before I left that, but that unit. Had well, you ask, Webb was in that unit, so he's there. And that and had, that was some of the best of the best officers on this planet to this day, and that are still working on this department, uh, whether they were in the thirty eighties or forty forties. And I can't remember what the Northwest crew was called, but the Sayers and and all those guys that came out of that that yeah. crew, Kevin, Pat Ke- Simpson. Pat Simpson. <laughs> <I miss> Pat. <laughs> Pat's back's back. He's in Fort Worth, what so hell? we need to look him up. Uh, but he's back in Texas. So anyway, that's that's what that's part of the I I mean, I got story after story of the 4040s, but uh, I know Chris has probably got something to say. No, no.
3: Well, I mean, that's that's truly where I learned that I was very lucky to come in on y'all's heels and y'all were already established. And you talk about learning how to do real police work. That's that's where it's it's back to the banes is kicking over rocks. We were kicking over a lot of rocks, hiding in bushes. I mean, and it was it was bottom line, it was fun. Oh, fun! When we had we had fun, um, and it was it was what you dreamed of, cops and robbers. You know, it was it was it was a blast. And so I know that that a couple years later, you rolled up to Northeast. There was a group of us from Southwest that rolled up to Northeast. And we went, did the same thing at Northeast in the 2080s. What I think those were the numbers. 2080s so, or 2090s? 2090s? 2090s. I don't remember. 2090s. 2090s. I don't, 2090s. I got 2092. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Same thing. Um, I'll, I'll, real quick story. Helping out narcotics, looking for a Harley Davidson F-150. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt Hibbets was Frederick's wheel man. Like, Kurt's the driver, right? <clears throat>
0: but Kurt was you gotta, a... You know, remember, Kurt just had came, before he was in the academy, He was in college. He was he was racing motocross. Yeah. And so, if you've ever want to drive with somebody that can that can drive, you get in a car with a motocross driver rider, because there is no such thing as a corner, and it it, because it becomes a hard break in the turn. There's no corner, and so you go up to a hard break and turn. And so, when I got in the car with him for the first time, I was like, "Holy shit, this guy can drive." And he was like, yeah, I drove, rode motocross. And I'm like. And mini trucks. And mini trucks. He did have a mini truck. He's a, and a lot of different cars throughout the years. But that man to still to this day has scared everybody has ever ridden with him on his driving. And he has the cleanest, sharpest cars that have no dings, dents, anything, and armor all everything. But that man can drive the wheels off anything. I've known him for 20 years. I've never heard that. That's awesome. Well,
3: see, so some of it rubbed off because I'm a passenger in his car, and we're chasing. We end up getting a car chase for narcotics with this F1 Harley Davidson F150, and this dude, that thing was flying, and it was up at Northeast, and we, we launched an intersection. I don't. It was in a neighborhood, <laughs> and it was a, there was a dip, and I remember there was a Honda coming the opposite direction, and we watched the truck go airborne, and I, and we were in a Caprice, and I just thought to myself, oh no. And we got airborne. I remember looking over, and I could see the lady looking up at us as we flew by. And, <laughs> and we, we hit the ground. Of course, the radiator got pushed up into the car. And the only thing, the reason why we caught the guy is the guy saw kids walking home from school, and he realized what he was doing, and he stopped. And I was about to go jump up there and rip him through the vent window. Well, there's not yeah. a vent window. Yeah. And this guy says, hey, remember, he's supposed to have a gun. Like he, and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forgot oh, there's this. that. This could yeah. be dangerous. This could be dangerous. Yeah. Okay, so you're up there. You're doing that. And then that led to the next step in your career. Tell us
0: about uh, the Marshall future. Service. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, and I'm and I'm drawing a blank on the chief that was at who was the chief Turnage. At, Turnage. What was his first name? Bill.
4: Bill William Turnage.
0: Bill, Bill Turnage. So Bill calls me in his office and says, Hey and he had he had two radios next to each other. And he said, Man, and I just and and I'll tell you there's there's a story to always a story of how you get in front of people like Mr. Turnage, but and he passed away two years ago and uh, a great man, and and so the rookie of the year he was everything on this department right he was a true legend of this department he uh, he we, we were doing a citywide audit of of of, uh, of of what departments do we not need where to cut the fat on the department and so. Our sergeant at the time didn't want to do it. And he was like, "Send Fre- let Frederick go do it. He, he, I don't want to do it. And so so I, I went and did it. And guess who was do- leading it? David Brown. So the Chief Brown. But he's not chief at that time. He's a lieutenant. And so that's how, how him and I met. And so we do the audit of the departments. Of every, every piece of the department, what the department needed, what it didn't. And the one piece they were looking at was getting rid of was the deployment units. They wanted to get rid of these deployment units because they saw a lot of fat there. They saw... Well, there's groups of guys in each one of these stations that are sitting around doing nothing. Well, they, they had no idea about how far off they were. So we went and pulled the stats from each one of the groups for the entire city. Well, they were responsible for almost 80% of the arrest totals for the, wow. for, for the city. It was so high in areas like southeast and northwest that we're doing all the work. They were doing all the rest work. And the other, the patrol officers were doing what they're supposed to do, answer the calls, get the calls. And, you know, they do arrest too. But these units were 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 heavily making the arrest for all the departments, all the burglaries, all the stuff that was happening were happening out of these back, back room units. And so we present the case and, and that's how the deployment unit stayed intact uh, because we presented it. So anyway, so I do that. And I think that thing took about three to six months. I can't remember exactly, but it was. It was a, it was a long period, and we met every week. And it, trust me, it was not a setting I wanted to be in. But no one wanted to do it, and so I did it. Uh, so that goes back to me doing that favor for for Chief Turnage. And and he, and I come in his office. And he's got the two radios there, and he's like, you know, you're about to get an opportunity that you just don't even think about coming back here. He goes, you and Kurt go over there and do what you and Kurt do. And he's like, put people in jail. And he goes, You get to chase people and they're gonna give you a badge to chase them all over the world. And he he couldn't he couldn't have been any more true when he said that. Because right after that, Kurt and I flew to Boston, worked a case. And I know Kurt went to Long Beach working a case. We worked cases all over the country, uh, and we were one of a kind because the the unit had just been built. It was one of the the early units, well one of the early units in Texas, and they didn't have where when a when a collateral came in from a different state or or where it was coming from, we worked it. And then if we had somebody that went somewhere, we went and got them. Uh, now the now the marshal service is built to where everybody has a sister city or something that they work off of, and we share the information now. And you don't have to travel, which is good. It makes it the streamlines the whole situation. But we were on ground floor, ground one. Uh, we helped. Uh, I know with Todd Thomason, Lieutenant Thompson, who's now in uh, Port Aransas, uh, great man. He built that fusion unit. He never gets enough credit for it, but he came over and visited with us on how we got information and how we figured out where somebody was at. And so in the early days, we did it the old way. You know, we went through the computer. We went through old bills. We did we did a lot of interviews, lots and lots of interviews on the ground. These days, we do it more through social media. We, I mean, I'm not going to give away all of our tips, but... Every thug in the world is on social media, mm-hmm. and every criminal that loves to flash a gun and show his dope is on social media. And sometimes he puts the address right behind him. So uh, they love watching First Forty Eight and being on TV, and they love they love Instagram as, just as much. So
3: explain to people because we all—it's common knowledge to us—but explain to them that you're a Dallas officer. But yes, you're
0: also- yeah, that's so. That's the that's the thing that it was like: Was he is he U.S. Marshal? The Dallas? What is he? Is he retired? Uh, I mean, I had to put something on social media today that I'm not retired, and and because I'm, and we'll get back into that because of my political stuff that I do. But the I'm a Dallas officer assigned to the U.S. Marshals, so they they are the agency that uh, that that we get the cases get adopted from the Marshal Service, and the cases get get adopted from anywhere. It doesn't matter; it's always it can be from Dallas, but it could be from Garland, Mesquite, it could be from Laredo. It doesn't matter where it gets adopted from. But it, if they think the person's here, it gets adopted, and then we work the case. And it's only fugitive cases, uh, or we work, like this morning, we work with ICAC, and then we did a, a, a child pornography case this morning, and it just so happened the guy was a legal alien and had two illegal reentries. So you never know what you're going to stumble on when you're out on one of those cases, but that's what my day-to-day job is, working for the U.S. Marshals uh, as a task force officer uh, as assigned by from the Dallas Police Department from Intelligence.
1: Is there a, is there a case that you worked on uh, in in that service that stands out? Some investigation, <laughs> like something that stands out that stuck with you.
0: Yeah, there there's a case, and and uh, this is some years back, and and um, it it was a it was a tough case because I didn't get in on it on the ground floor. I have uh, like all my teammates will say, and I know Chris will say it, and Randy said he is the luckiest person in the <laughs> whole world. And there's two. There's two <laughs> days that I'm adopted. That's 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 a, that's a l- lucky day for me in my life right there, and and uh, I met my wife. And that's that's I've won the lottery that's twice the, already, lottery. and I've won it twice already. And and every other day is just a is a great day. But I'll I'll tell you, we we got a case. There was a uh, there was a uh, individual that was being transported from here to Nevada. From or I'm sorry, from uh, from Florida. To, to from Miami to to uh, Nevada, and he was and he was being transported because he was getting ready to go get his second life sentence, because what he was doing was driving. He was a truck driver, but they were in a moving company, and I don't think he was a truck driver, but he was part of the moving company, and they were doing relocates. And so, when a family would relocate, it would take all their stuff the, you know their stuff where they're moving from, and put it in the home. What he would do is figure out what's the husband wasn't around the schedule was what what the schedule was and he would break into that home and brutally rape the the wife uh, or the female that was there uh i mean brutally i mean leaving these women uh barely alive tying them up um, and he had i know he had like 30 something cases pending and and, uh, and the reason I know that is because I talked to the detective and then i'll and i'll go I'll, I'll go back to the beginning of the story. But I talked to the detective in Nevada that was working the case, and she started crying telling me that the women that she'd been working this case, these cases on, and they wanted just justice. I mean, they didn't have a death penalty, and there wasn't a death penalty in, in Florida, so he, was, he didn't kill anybody, but he had pretty damn close to killing these people. So anyway, so they're, they're transporting him from, from Florida to, to, to uh, Nevada. This guy had been making a plan for months. On how to get out of this airplane, and how, or how to get this airplane on the ground, and how to figure out how to get away. Uh, he had already torn one of his, one of his testicles off uh, in his cell, and he had wrote Del Ablo on the wall, uh, and he and he had been. And then after that, they had done s- surgery to him, fixed him up, and then he just started working out like they would never seen. They said he'd run the, the jail yard and doing push ups, pull ups. They were like he was preparing himself. And, and so the, 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 the testicle part is like a thing of mindset and what, but what it, what it did is it got him into the firmary for a while and that's where they think that he had it ended up getting a key um, and he had put it on his person very well somewhere. Uh, so he gets, he causes a disturbance on the plane. They do an emergency landing here in uh, DFW. Uh, they have, there's two transport agents with him, both of them, uh, uh, Miami-Dade PD people, uh, they, they get, you know, they, they're like, okay, the airlines are like, we are not putting this guy back on a plane. You're driving him the rest. Well, they're like, well, we can't drive him with two. We need to need two more people on this transport. So they call back home to get two people to fly. They go get rented a minivan, uh, and they go park it and they're waiting in the Walmart parking lot over in Grapevine. Well, this guy had just been waiting and just waiting and And I guess somebody should have done more of a background check on him. I, mean, I don't know if they knew, but they said they didn't, but this was one of Castro's personal guards. This guy who had not only been trained, this guy had been- severe, i mean uh, immensely trained in cuba and and so he takes his glasses off he is chained at this time- at this point. He takes his glasses off and he takes his right glass and breaks it, and he takes it and slits the throat of the guy that's sitting in the back with him takes that piece and takes it into his uh, into his kidney and rips it straight up. This point, he is completely unshackled. They had no idea that he had a key, Damn. and he had unshackled himself. So the video shows him running across the parking lot at Olympic-like speed in Grapevine, Texas. Well, I'm in Austin working, and I can't remember which session that was, but it was, it was some years back, and and I, and I was working there, and I'd usually go from like a Monday to a Thursday or Friday, however it went, right? And I and so I, and I'm and i hearing all the stuff that's happening here. And I'm like, oh, well, they'll have him in custody sh- shortly. Well, days go by. Days go by. I come back home. All the teams are exhausted. The Miami just sent a new fresh team in to come in to help with a manhunt. And they figured he was still here because he had no relations to anybody here. He had no relations really to anybody in America. Uh, so and then I get the phone call, and I get it from Vicki Simmons. And Vicki's like, hey, where are you? And I could hear, like, music in the background. And she's taking these guys to go eat. They've been all working for a week. So she, they're, all, they're all having a cocktail. And so they're all somewhere doing something. And I said, what's up? And she's like, there's been a burglary over by the lake, Grapevine Lake, and they need somebody to come by and check it out. And I'm like, okay, who's, I was like, I'm, my guys are, I sent everybody home. These are exhausted, but I'm doing this. I'm like, okay, I'll run over there. Well I get in the car and I'm like Ugh. get in the car, and I'm running, running hundred miles an hour, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, this is this could be him. You know, this this could be him. So I get there and they've got the street blocked off, not like a normal burglary. You know, normal Burglary you'd have a squad in the driveway or out front, yeah. no lights on, just be sitting there with a, you know, like a directional on. Well, I get there, the front, the street's blocked off, the next street's blocked off, the street, the end of the street's blocked off, squad's in front. And then I see a helicopter sw- swing swing by. And I know it's not ours. It's probably DPS's or, or Tarrant County. Somebody's over there. And uh, I walk in, talking to the homeowner standing in the kitchen. Beautiful home. I mean, just a gorgeous, big U-shaped ranch-style home. Gorgeous right by the lake. And I'm like, what's the deal? And they're like, well, somebody broke in our bedroom. But they must have slept in her bed because go look at it. So I go to the bedroom and it's, it's it's off the porch by the pool and I go in there and I see the doors kicked in and the bed is filthy I mean absolutely felt like a like a like a do- like a dog got in it that was in the mud and just rolled around and I'm like, huh what's missing and they're like a pistol and some clothes oh, and I'm like, what kind of clothes like heavy and it's this is February and it's like 32 degrees and I'm like, oh my god this has got to be him." And so I go back to the to the living room where the guy's got his lapel mic on and I said, Does 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 your can you talk to that helicopter? And he's like, Yeah. And I said, Can you put it on his channel? So he puts it on the channel, they get it, it's DPS's helicopter. I said, Do you have a FLIER on that helicopter? And a FLIR is a body it's a heat seeker. So it, it looks for the body temperature. It's and remember, this is the winter. We're gonna have a great oh, yeah. We're gonna have a really good look at at, at no some foliage yes no foliage predator view yeah Yeah, yeah. and so yeah and i and and so and so i talked to the homeowners and i said if somebody broke into your house like we think they did and they wanted to go and they wanted to go run out and not a car is going to pick them up where would they go and he was like oh man if you go out over our back fence you go that way he's pointing towards the lake which i really don't know because i'm not new to the i'm new to the area i'm not not my area he's like if you go that way that's to the lake and that goes to the, the, there's a horse deal over there. And then there's a, there's a boat, uh, boat slips and some stuff. And I so it's like, tell that the, the helicopter, I said, could you swing over? It looks like it's going to the Northwest. If you could swing over there and start running that FLIR in there and don't use your light. So he does. And he, I mean, within like three minutes, he's like, Hey, do you guys have a guy out here in the woods, walk in the woods? And we're like, and I'm asking well, I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't know if we do or not. I don't, we don't, but I, I don't know if Grapevine does. So they tell, they get on the radio, do we have anybody on the woods, in the woods? And they're like, nope, we're all sitting here on these corners. And then he goes, oh, he's running. This guy's running. And I'm like, so I run out the front door. I'm like, that's him. Well, I, I soon realized I don't have a radio to talk to the helicopter. <laughs> I, who the hell am I going to talk to other than just looking at the, the the helicopter and chasing it? And so Kurt's pulling up. And I'm like, hey! And we, I get my vest out of my, out, of his, out of my car, jump in his. I said, go to that, go to that squad car at the end. So Kurt runs down to the squad car. We tell him, "It's like go with us, because we 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 can't talk to him." So we get get him to go with us. We had no idea this poor guy had been in a shooting the week before, and was on death duty, and and we had no idea it was <laughs> the, what we were about to put this poor guy through. Yeah, and so we get out of the car, and we're I'm like. You just stay with us. We're gonna run. we and we just need you to t- turn that mic up, that lapel mic up, so we can hear that helicopter. So that helicopter is he's running that guy down, and we get out there, and we are we're way in the woods now. We're way in the woods, and it's cold and it's dark, and it, you know, and you're going through un- train that you don't know, and and uh, and and so we come up. The helicopter's doing, you know, how the helicopters don't hover. Our police helicopters circle, and he's like he's behind this giant oak tree. He goes. You guys should be. Y'all are about fifty yards from him. So we get up and we get closer, and we and he's that helicopter's going around a big old circle. And this is a huge oak, beautiful oak tree, and it's got like a where where he's at between us goes uphill, uh, but he's like he'd come downhill and come back uphill to us, and so we we get to a point where we're we're now in firing range. We know that we're in a lethal range if he can fire at us, and we start doing some commands, and he turns around. And he starts doing this chant in Spanish, and I can talk about this now. it's gone through the grand jury and everything else. He starts doing this this uh this Spanish chant. We can't understand to this day I still have no and and I, all I remember is is that he had his hands down in his waistband, and he's got his head behind the tree looking at us and the the uh we can hear the helicopter saying, "Hey, his hands are in his waistband are
3: you spotlighting they're they they're
0: spotlight they're, they're spotlight, and we're spotlighted. But he's only keeping a partial view, and then when the helicopter would make its way around, it, you could see one side of him, right. and there was like yeah. a, then a shadow, yeah. and then another side. So it was yeah, a it's very, it was it's very eerie. Like yeah. It was very eerie. And so then we could see he's pumping himself up. He knows he's trapped. He knows, I have gone to the end of my end. This is it. This is it. I'm either going to kill them, or they're going to kill me, and this is where we're going to be in life. Uh, and so he, he makes his run at us, and uh, he's at this point, he's probably 15, 20 feet away, and he pulls his hands out, and we, still to this day, I, I couldn't have told you what they were, uh, that he pulls out, we know we're missing a gun, and we're, so we're thinking he's pulling a gun out, and we fire, ended up shooting and killing killing him, Uh and then all the the folks come from Florida. They're they're just now getting back on the ground, and they're all like, "Damn it!" <laughs> they they're all like, guy. they wanted to get back at their guy. You know, they're they're mad. They're they're mad at what their their guy's sitting in ICU yeah. on a breathing machine in Texas. Yeah. Uh, that they don't know nothing. You know, they don't know Texas, and so he ends up dying. Uh, the, the you know with medical comes, all the all the stuff that happens during a shooting, uh, and what he had was he had. He had made booby traps all over where he was where he was staying back in the there, and he I'm talking like the swing traps like when Rambo where first open, blood yeah oh, yeah you know. and so what he had had what he pulled out was two spears that he had had on him and he had grinded them down to 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 the uh, you know to to a point. and so but he had so they'd found the key that he had had in his stomach that it that he that he went to the bathroom and got out that they found that. And, what he was going and breaking into these houses or breaking into anything he could boats uh he's trying to find food uh he he did not have a plan on how to get out of here and uh you know what was probably going to happen next he'd probably go back divert to his old ways of man I'm gonna get in a house and I'll get one of these women
1: opportunity yeah uh, opportunity there yeah
0: and he because he uh, that's what he was before yeah. and that you know the leopard doesn't change his spot so and uh, that's the crime he knows so they had the schools locked down that whole week kids didn't go to school they had it was a big deal, huge. and it was, it was a huge deal. It was,
3: just, it was 2007-ish,
0: right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it, what's crazy is, then I get an invitation to the White House, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I got Top Cop Award. Kurt got it, too. We both got it, uh, and uh, the, they, uh, Obama brings us to the White House, and uh, we get to meet and now President Biden. He did, he did, he did stiff my daughter's hair. That's a weird. Uh-oh. That's a weird oh. deal. Yeah. I don't know, that's yeah. Yeah. Thing. yeah, but yeah. but uh, it was a uh, it was a it was a horrible experience. But for the public, it it is something that police do, and and it's and 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 criminals. You remember the criminal dictates the situation that we're in, and and he dictated that night the situation he was going to put himself in. I mean, he could have easily just lay down and said, "I'm done." We were giving him the can- commands: "Come out with your hands up, lay on the ground." We gave all that to him. And so was the helicopter who was up there with the mic. So he had the chance, uh, but he chose the chance to do what he did. And, and that's, and that's, that chose, that chose his life uh, over ours. Cause he, I'm going to tell you right now, he wasn't coming over there to shake our hands and no. so, or turn himself or in. Turn himself in. He, he wasn't doing that. So he was one of those
3: few real, real, real bad guys. He
0: was a really bad, bad guy. And then we, then we got the report, the intelligence report came afterwards of his life in Cuba and what he had done for Castro. And, and, his military experience and he was a true badass I mean he was a true he could have lived on that land it, that's what he was doing and, and when he was setting up for if anybody got near him the the traps would get him before and at least notify him to get out of there yeah. so they could have made a moody on, on that one.
3: yeah
0: he he's buried in an unmarked grave out there uh in in uh in a grapevine and uh they notified the family and not one person ever showed up to to take a uh, claim of any, anything so it probably tells you another thing that that's weird a legacy that he yeah. left yeah Wow. yeah so. It, just for the listeners, the, the unmarked grave, y'all had
1: nothing to do with unmarked grave. Somebody else buried him in yeah, 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 okay. him there. I just want, I want to make, you to make yeah, assumptions.
0: That. No, 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 no. Right yeah. no <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying he's buried in a grave yeah. right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. right. Like, okay. <laughs> we just buried him there. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we no, no. A pile of rocks. They, they, <laughs> they, they, the coroner takes him. they goes. Yeah, they, they do all that stuff. But we had found out yeah. later that he's that they they put him in our grave because no one would ever claim him. They couldn't do anything with him. So Wow. that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a hell of, that, that is like a first blood Rambo. Yeah. Just a pure evil Rambo.
0: Pure evil person that had done so much damage through his reign of terror over and you know it's not there's still there's still cases out there. The this is what I found out later uh because the detective that was working on it she's like we have no idea the cases where that truck stopped in different states. So the they just know of the cases that happened in Florida, and they know the cases that happened in in, in uh, Nevada. That truck went all over the southern country, and then also to the west. So, the it, it's amazing that that he was. That's what his he used that as a motive to uh, to do his do his his reign of terror. So. I am surprised
1: they haven't. There, there hasn't been a movie on this guy. <laughs> that yeah. story. That, no, it's. it's, well, it's we may, you may get it out of
0: this podcast. Maybe. Hell. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do we get credit for that?
0: Yeah. 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 Copyright that real quick. Call Joey. Copyright it. It's
2: ours. I think we know an attorney. Well. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Frederick,
1: as uh, society has changed so much, in recent events, have caused legislative changes and updates, Yep. would
0: you mind touching on some of those that, you, that you've been a part of and you you witnessed? Especially yeah. from this past summer, this, specifically. And, it, and it, it all rains from, you know, we all go back to the George Floyd incident, which we all thought that the Rodney King incident was something that we had never seen for law enforcement. It's on the law enforcement side uh, and, and changing society to watch riots and all the things that happened after that. But that didn't go national like the George Floyd Incident did that, and that, and if you take it a little further than that, George Floyd incident went global. Uh, you had global disturbances that happened in municipalities all over, all over the world because of one incident. But I'll, I'll back it up a little bit on my legislative, you know, kind of stint or whatever you want to call it, or abilities. Uh, the person that did this job before me was was Glenn White. He did it for thirty four years, and when he was done. He was done. He was like, "Do you want the job?" I mean, it was like that, and I was sitting in that room behind us down there, and he was sitting there and he said do you you want to do the legislative work for this organization and i said well who who's my competition?" and he said, "It was me, then I'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so i i guess it was the re- i i'd shown interest in it, uh going to the capitol going to do our legislative work um and that time we had we had a smaller agenda, I think, smaller footprint, uh, and I, I just wanted to to make that footprint. Uh, I, I, d- I thought we could do a better job, and and it was no no, no hit on Glenn, but Glenn was going. You know, he was ending a career, and he was going with what he had to work with, and 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 and, and everything was evolving, and so I changed our pack, uh, I changed how we our political action committee. Um, i I put more people on it, I made it more more where everyone had felt like they had a piece. It's hard to do it it really is hard to do because the time it's free, you know, change the meetings, how we did' them, uh and especially the interviews on on getting people in here and, and interviewing them it, it was a hard interview, and they don't pass it they don't pass it that we don't we don't do we don't have to endorse so and that's what I wanted to instill in everybody It's like we do not have to endorse them. Just because they came down to an interview, and if they don't contact us, piss on them. I'm not going to go find them. If they don't, if they're not smart enough to go find the largest police association in North Texas to interview with, they're not smart enough to run. So that was my mindset. And so we changed that. And then there was another thing when I started doing it at the Capitol is I started a group called TLEC, uh, Texas Law Enforcement Council. Now I didn't start it solely. There was a group of us that got together: Ray Hunt, Kevin Lawrence, Mitch Landry. Uh, uh, Clay Taylor, uh, and he's there's that's from DPS. You've got these groups that, and and Kevin's from Tmpa, and and the and the whole stint came from one incident. I was in Stephanie Carter's office, who was a freshman Republican out of Dallas, a Harvard grad, and she grabbed me in the hallway and she said, "What? Who is in control of all these groups?" And I said, "What do you mean? Who's in control?" She's like, "Why do?" You come in, why? when you come in, you have an uh, agenda, and then you leave, and then someone else comes in, they have a different agenda. From the same agency. From, well, not from, no, from no, a no, different no, agency, but right. in the same bill. Right. And I'm like, who said that? And so she told me these incidents were happening. So then I asked a couple of chief of staffs there. Amy DeWeese was one of them. I asked her what uh, she was chief of staffs of Ken Sheets at the time. and And I was like, holy cow, we are really missing the boat here. We are really missing an opportunity to educate our law enforcement groups on what actually happens here at the Capitol and what happens on an agenda. And so, you know, because remember, they're calendared. So it's when they set their agenda, it's set Monday through however many days they're going to go. So all I did was make a suggestion that we put the groups together and conform a super group, a legislative super group. No pay, no, no, it, you know, there's no dues, there's no, there's only thing you do is you come there for an educational piece. Mark Clark was instrumental on this. He, he did an unbelievable job of helping organize. And so what we did was we found a meeting place. It started with a handful of people at the Capitol, uh, and we would meet, and then we would go over the the agenda for the week and what bills looked like we needed to address and what bills we needed to sign up for. Well, the next session I took it over as the chairman. And we we did kind of hey, who wants to be chairman? You elect them. Blah blah blah. Whatever. It's a raise of hands. We, inc- we incorporated then the constables, the prosecutors, the sheriffs, the cities. And I'm going to tell you why is the city important there? Because the city sends their own lobby group down there. Whether it's a whether it was a Gary Tittle or or uh, uh, folks from Houston, everybody sends somebody. Whatever it is, and they, they have. That group needs to be sitting in the same room and have the same information. And if there's a conflict, you just go your other way. I'm going to tell you that group, game wards are now involved. Every group, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, you name it, they're in the room. Or what I did like this session, I did Zoom and in person. So if you wanted to come, you could come. If you wanted to watch it on Zoom and you're in Harris County working a case, and you want to go sit and on Zoom for an hour and listen to what the update was? And and I would go through Monday through the days of every bill that's law enforcement related. And then we'd say who's gonna who's gonna tackle this one? Where where are we at with this bill? Putting the prosecutors was the best thing I did in the room because they're all lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, and to read a bill is sometimes painful, well, painful, especially when they're 140, 50 pages long, and you're like, where are they hiding where's all where's all the trash in this and so we would we, we we put all that together and it's like i said it's not me it's a collective group it's a team setting and it and it's just a wonderful group of men and women that come together and the other thing is we do is that we bring in uh, we'll, we'll bring in legislators in during that time and they'll tell they'll do their pitch or if it's say at&t and they want to do their a small cell bill anything they had up they were working on they could come pitch it to us and tell us why it's good for law enforcement, why it's good for first responders. And the firefighters come when they do, if they're not sleeping. You know, they, there's usually a – they're, or they're cooking yeah. or playing or playing the Xbox or whatever. So, so that takes us back to where the legislative part come. Uh, I think a lot of people watched me putting these things together for years, especially the FOP did. They asked me to be on their national program. But before they did that, national legislative team, before they did that, President Trump was in office and they were getting ready to make this committee, this commission for law enforcement, which had not been done for a very, very long time, uh, since like Lyndon B. Johnson, right? So like forever. And and so they they picked the the names went up, up the list, and it was they were gonna pick 14 commissioners throughout the country. And and my name went up with hundreds and hundreds of names. And then it came back down and my name stayed on it, and I thought I'll never make it to the third round, the final round. Well, it did. And I ended up being one of the commissioners uh, for for President Trump and being on his law enforcement commission, which was unbelievable, but then COVID hit. And so we only got, uh, you know, on the ground work done for a month, uh, maybe almost a month and a half. And then then we did everything re- remotely. But what we did is write so much legislation was written in that crime commission that needed to happen and, the, and this is remember this is before George Floyd so we didn't have hell you know the gates of hell opening up on law enforcement because we had an idiot that did what he did in in, uh, in Minneapolis so we we wrote this book and this book's a- excellent and, and all it is is a guideline on what needs to change and what has to happen with law enforcement or what could help law enforcement get down the road and you'll see bills in there like the defunding it was a mechanism that I came up with, where to take the sales tax from cities and put it back into the budget, uh, to the public safety budget, and um, and but make that a bill. And if you have if you ever had to, well, guess what? We end up making that a bill in Texas, it was one of us first of its kind, and it was all because of Austin. Uh, and you have socialists running the city, and so you have the, you know the the they're running the asylum down there, and that and they say so they took all that money away. That's why their crimes are at the all time highest right now. They got seventy-eight murders as of this morning. Never been there before, and so we instituted bills like that. We also got rid of the chokehold uh, that that should have been gone away. Remember, cities like Dallas and Houston and others had gone away with it, but you still had little dinky towns that were still yeah. uh, that were using that as a tool for law enforcement. So we unified that, got away with it. Uh, you know, the duty to intervene. Uh, I mean, that sounds like common sense. You see one of your officers whipping somebody's ass, you should pull them off, right? But you know, but if there's no rule that says you have to, then they're not going to do it. So we put that in the we put that in a bill and passed it. Uh, In unification of law enforcement, at some point has to happen across this country. And the reason why it has to, because when somebody turns on the TV and they see somebody choking somebody out in St. Paul, and then they we all pay pay for it. And so that comes back to looking at everything that's been happening after the George Floyd incident. And, you know I worked those riots for twenty six days, and I have never seen chaos in the streets like that and I've heard old heads talk about things and I would really like to to put in the you know you always take those memory pictures of what happens, and you would like to say, man, I'd really like to put that up against somebody else's memory picture of what was happening, but watching downtown burn and watching those mobs go l- just let loose on our downtown and and we were the only thing from between them than taking over the entire downtown and people don't understand that they just think it's a bunch of suburban kids that are out there protesting, protesting. that is the biggest line of bullshit that I've ever heard there was professional protesters in there yeah. there just was antagonists. there was there was there was folks that were bused in flown in there was ads put in papers for them to come here they were paid there was there was uh I mean you name it in those crowds with somebody to do harm. There was there was armed protesters. Uh, there was there was more chaos going. If it wasn't for our Dallas SWAT teams, and because they were the and ones, we, and we had some guests, yeah, DPS. yeah we did have so guests. But I'm going to tell you right now who did the work: the Dallas guys. We had uh, right there across from City Hall when I took over that intersection because it was taken over by the crowd. And I come in and I'm in my my truck and I'm coming in hot. And I come right through the crowd and I jump out and they're like, get him. And I grabbed my AR and I swung it at that crowd. You know, when I say swung it, I pointed it at everyone in that crowd, I said, come get some. And I moved everybody out of that intersection so the SWAT guys could get through because they had poured gas all over one of the squad cars that was sitting in the middle of the road right there. And he was trapped. They were both. There's two male and female in that car and they lit it on fire. And nobody talks about those situations. No, it was peaceful. No, it, it was, was super yeah, peaceful. Yeah, right. Yeah, but they are burning a squad car with two human beings in it. And, and we had, I think, eight individual cars got torched during that, the incidents. But it was chaos, a pure chaos. And the only people that could control that chaos were the law enforcement people out there on the street trying to stop it. And, uh, and that's that's where it is. I hope I touched on I went all over the place on that stuff. <laughs>
2: you know and it's okay, you know it's one of those things I brought up earlier about all the different hats you got, and you know we can talk all day long with you. I know Webb talked about his why, the last one, and I know you listened to his deal and I, and I know I think I have a good idea about what your whys is or something you'd like doing. We're going to transition to the ATO yeah, and the work you've done for that, and then we can get to other things, but um I know you took over from Tom Popkin. He was, we yep. just did a, a, a show with him, it was good stuff. And he spoke very highly of you and, you know, about how when they made the decision to get you. I want to talk, I, you know, and I brought up in that one during 7 7, seeing our logo, the ATO logo and DPA logo on the news, you know, that was exposure we never expected to get, but yep. things have changed in there. You were at the head of that. Talk about the growth that you've seen from when you took over and since you've stepped down.
0: Yeah, that's and, th- and you know you you always try to touch something, a league of like a legacy, right? And I, I had this conversation with a group of of uh, folks earlier. In in high school, I left behind FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes. I started it in San Antonio, Texas, at our high school. In college, started our fraternity, uh, Fiji, which is still going today. There's still young men going through those programs. Just both of them, they're going. So you get to see them now on social media. And you know, you think about there's a legacy you left behind. ATO is going to be one of those legacies, and and not not it's it's Bill Corolla's legacy. I'm just a part of it. I'm 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 lucky that I'm lucky that Tom saw the talent there, and the uh, you know I think he really didn't see the talent yet. I think what he saw was like the eagerness, like, and this guy wants to change it, change things, and the the only thing I wanted to change was. I wanted to brand us as a household name. I, all I wanted was to make ATO a household name for law enforcement and, and the public safety for, for officers that need help. And I saw what they had, and what they had wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> and so, and, then, and that's, and that's uh, I'm a busy body person. When I, when I see something that want it the way it is, I want to make it the way I think everybody wants to see it. It's not the way I want it. I just want it to be what how everybody wants to see it. And so we rebranded ATO. We had no money. We had no money. Bill Bill Buss's heart had done a great job setting up. We had like four bank accounts. They were like money laying around everywhere. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it was like the old days. Like go put it in that bank because if they that they go out of business, we'll have money in that bank. <laughs> and, 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 and 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 so. I uh, I quickly established a uh, a new board, uh, and one of them was to get Steve Brody on there, who was a money man. We needed somebody that knew money. Cops don't know money. I don't I don't care how many cops you talk to if they say, "Oh, I'm a whiz money." You crazy? I bet he's got an F two fifty out there and he's paying nine hundred a month on it. So <laughs> it 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 is every cops the same way. Uh, and so and, and Steve is not a cop. He is a cop, but he's a reserve officer and he's been one for thirty-four years, but he's a businessman at first. And so we quickly put that into money market and money management uh to get the money start to work for itself. Uh and we quickly established how many events we would do in a year. uh basically we're gonna do X amount of events and this is our goal on fundraising where is our budget line how much money do we need to make to make the the counseling work and how much money do we have to make to make the the officers that we're going to have to pay out work so we we figured out there's two lines of money there're counseling uh and really our administrative was so low i mean you know there's a little bit of a rent but it's not really and uh, and then we you've got other things that you got to pay for is the marketing material which we do a really tremendous job on on getting things, you know, we always use somebody that helps us get it done, um, and so we did that. We established that the board gets to it, and the next thing I wanted to do was establish a committee, an advisory committee that that would pave the way for who ATO is, and that because police officers can market to police officers, they can't market to a business community. They're not good at it, so I put businessmen men on there like Pete Schinkel, Craig Evans. All the folks that were in the community that knew the community well. And I also put, at that time, was David Brown. Uh, I put him on uh, the advisory board. And he, and this is before all the officers hated him. <laughs> and and so he put his staff, He it's like whatever ATO does, that's what we do. And he goes, we are going to be the go-to department for ATO, and ATO is going to be the go-to for us. And well, we never had that opportunity. Uh, We'd never had somebody that cheerleaded for us like that, and and so that opened up a gigantic door for ATO and its ability uh, for its, especially for its counseling program. Uh, And because the city cities save money on ATO, and and whether they like to say it or not, but still to this day, the fire department for Dallas does not have a counselor on duty. So we are still the counseling program for the fire department. So long story short, raising money, getting to a goal was my point. Uh, it was it was a hard point for me to have all these events, all these money, you know, all this money getting in for these events. So we'd have a rainy day. We would ever. was going to be some 911. That was something would come for us. And because in law enforcement, every day is, you know we live in the ashes. And so of course that day came on seven seven and we were the vehicle ready to go we we had already been set up and cnn and the other fox everyone else took took hold of embraced ato and so did america cuz they wanted they wanted to do something we had we had got stuff from australia you know new zealand you you name it uh, stuff had come in here uh thinking you know praying for us food money you name it but this place was a madhouse it was it was something that none of us can control. It was. It was. Uh, uh, if anyone says that they could have done a better job, I would like to. I would love for them to work their way through that, through that mud. Because not one of us could have done a better job. We did with a job we could do at the time. Uh, we took care of the families. We took care of the the injured. We still are taking care of those families. We're still taking care of that. I think you had Misty on here the other day uh McBride. yeah, And I was at the hospital. So I was there. I was sitting dinner when it that went down. I got into uh to Parkland when the car came in with Michael Kroll in it and uh what's her name was driving um Gretchen. Gretchen. Uh Gretchen was on training and Mike Smith uh was with her. Uh
3: he was training because they didn't have
0: trainers. And so when I get I walk into Parkland and Mike's sitting in the chair right there, and I'm talking to Mike, and he's holding his chest, and, and I'm like, "Your wife's, we had just found out that Heidi was on the way, and I'm like, Heidi's on the way, and they put him on a gurney, and they zipped him away. And I told her that I just, I went in the room and told Heidi that I just talked to Michael, and I go, he's up in surgery, but he was, he, I mean, at that point, all of us thought that he was fine. Yeah. I mean, everyone thought, ever. We, we knew Michael was, was dead. We knew Lauren was in surgery uh we we knew that we didn't know the Thompson guy because he was dark we knew he was dead uh and so that was ground zero for the people for most of the people was at parkland and then you know i met, I met misty and i met the 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 uh, other officers and it and that opened up a place for ato to try to do more help and we did, we did a lot of help there with with helping those up op- so, so you have to look back on these things a lot of those folks are not officers anymore. They that incident, that critical incident, changed their life. It's it's changed all of our lives, to be honest with you. But but we the counseling program. The I, and I'll, I get thanked about the counseling program. Every I, I went to the academy this morning. I had two people come up and be, thank me for the counseling program, and the counseling program has been a godsend because officers have a confidential counseling program. They can go talk to at any time. Most of them have. Uh, Cell phone numbers of all of their therapists right now, and can just text them and say, "Can I talk?" And I know the one of them that's uh, Jennifer Williams that's on there now. I think she changed her last name, but uh, she, cause she got divorced. But she is one of those that communicates with them, and it's it's been a it's been a blessing. But if there's ever a legacy that's ever going to be left, it I my mind is how much money that that I've raised for ATO, how much time I put into the program, and I. I still to this day. I spoke at an event on 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 Monday, or no, no, yeah, Monday. The, the, today's Thursday, and <laughs> I, I can't put my days together. But uh, on Monday, I spoke at an event, and, and I went through the numbers. Uh, I like to go through the numbers because numbers don't lie. It's like baseball, you know, they don't lie. You can tell what we do by our numbers, and our numbers have to hit a certain mark to take care of all these people. And I I know that just through our just through our services last year. For all the agencies that we touch, was one hundred and ninety-four thousand dollars. So that's that's just that's not our that's not our counseling. That's just for helping officers throughout the state of Texas. And we weren't built to help the officers out of state. Of Texas. We we're built to help Dallas officers. But we have become bigger than that, and so we have become a a. a that's the legacy that we're going to leave behind. And it's really Bill's legacy. I just I'm a part of it. Well, you've, so. defini-
3: you, you've definitely grown it. Tell people. We talked a lot about counseling, and that was more – that came a little bit later. The confidential counseling came a little bit later. Originally, it really was just to fill the gap. Officer got hurt on duty, needed a little extra cash, or they had an incident at home, maybe a fire yeah. or something. And, and really, that's how it started. Um, but it, it turned into counseling. But kind of explain what else, what else it does.
0: Yeah, and I, that's, that's a good thing because I, I do that at, when I go speak. So what is ATO, Assist the Officer Foundation? It's a 501c3 that started in 1999. And it was it was it was all it was all built for David Rodriguez. Uh, David Rodriguez was shot in a critical incident that uh, in in a uh, by bust uh, and paralyzed him. And so the city, in uh, cities at that time, when you ran out of your time, you were let go. You were fired. Uh, they they may give you a plaque and tell you, "Hey, have a nice life," but you you were not part of that city anymore. You were you were not part of that department. You were gone. And so. That was all. That was all happening for David, where he was about to be released and and released a from doing his job and being paralyzed. And so we were trying to figure out a funding mechanism to come to come up with. And Bill is the one who came up with it. I can't take credit for this. I know Tom can't take credit for it, but 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 Bill can take credit for it. And we and then we helped fix. We just we just made the design better. You know, the wheel always starts somewhere. And it, whether it gets faster and lighter is, is up to the people you put around you, and so we we designed it better and faster just because the things grow, grow at that time. You get people on the board and whatnot. So we built it for David uh, so he could have a, some type of financial, uh, you know, any any finances. But within then it became where we'll do it. It wasn't just built for David. I shouldn't say that. It was built because of him. Yeah. It was and, an inspiration. Uh, as our inspiration it was an inspiration, but and you know. And, and like he would say, and, and no one wants to say it, when you're sitting in a wheelchair and you're the picture on the flyer, he'd be like, well, I'm the poster boy for all ATO. <laughs> and, 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 and I know David would appreciate me saying that because that's, that's what he would say uh, and with, because of him and his wheelchair. So do that, but it's for when an officer has an injury, uh, off-duty or on-duty. Uh, our officers get injured all the time, whether they you know broke their arm in a fight or broke their arm uh getting beat up by by somebody or, or car crash uh lightning strikes and hits their house and burns it to the ground they need a place to go for a few nights uh sick kid tornadoes that, tornadoes we did when the tornadoes came through here that was christmas after after christmas it was i'm remember what, yeah something like that when it went through rockwall and rolette mo- mostly Rawlett. 16 16 yeah. 2016 yeah. We were on the ground. We were in this room first because I held a meeting here, and I said we need to get out there and get assistance checks. We had, oh my God, we. I know we had. We started with like thirty-three officers. That was that's one of the heaviest areas we have law enforcement live in in the metroplex, and we went out to their houses, and we were standing in the pouring rain, handing out checks. And at that time, we did the first check for uh, $1,000. And we did a $1,000 check for every person. Their house was gone. Their houses were gone. The pictures are devastating. This is is an F4 that went through. They say at some points it got to F5. This thing was the finger of God. It went through and it tore everything out. And so we, we got those checks out, got them to hotels, got them to where they needed to go. And then we couldn't believe it, the public turns around and pours into ATO. And so we go back and we give another set of checks and then we catch up with the people that we missed. Uh, because these folks, these folks were, were out of their homes for a, over a year because most of their homes had to be rebuilt and they just relocated, to be honest with you. And you had insurance that wasn't stepping up. You had insurance that was sh- crappy. And you had, you had insurance that just was, well, we'll just wait and see what happens with all this. And so... A lot of these officers were just SOL when it came to their homes until the insurance figures it out, and so we were we were that that stopgap between that and ATO was the big shoe that went out there and took care of everything. So that's
3: if people if people, if people listening
0: right now want to give to ATO, where do they go? Oh, if you wanted to go dot org, and if you ever wanted to look at it ATODallas.org, dot is is our funding mechanism choice, and we've got the donate. Uh, you know, you go on there and you donate, and you can put for whatever reason you want to put it in there. You can put it for you know just just a you know the general fund. You can put it for if you've got a an officer that you've loved or he works in your neighborhood, and you're just like uh, Chris Webb, I love the guy, and he hey, he told me about this fund. It leaves us a note to where it came from, and and we like to send that note back, telling them thank you. But that's that's our charitable choice of 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 line item now how do we get it in there and and you and they, you got to remember this though i i've always loved to put jab this because there's a lot of these <laughs> i want to say a different word about these different uh the uh, scam artists I'm sorry the 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 foundations that are out there that are that are law enforcement related uh scammers i said it again sorry it, it slips so it happens we yeah we don't have anybody on our board that gets a paycheck there's not one. It's always been a volunteer. Ever our office staff volunteer. Our everything that we have volunteer. Dallas Morning News did a write up and, and compared us with all the charities that were in our region. We came out with almost I think it was ninety six or ninety seven percent that we give back for every dollar. And we came we came we came out as the number one found foundation in law enforcement in the state of Texas. And the reason why that it's set up that way and then why they did it. We we were asked to be investigated by one of the scam artists, and and so when we were asked, I said, "You or you can stay here as long as you want and look through all of our books." And when they came out of here, they could not believe it that they were looking at something that was true and organic. And that's the way ATO started, and that's the way it will end at some point. That it was organic, so it's all it's all run because people love it.
2: Well, I, I like one of the things that we always sell. You send a check what chris webb needs help that hundred you send a check for a hundred dollars he's getting every cent of that we're not taking any administrative fees yeah no sometimes we'll eat the credit card fees we do that all the time yeah it's we ate
0: all the credit card fees during the seven seven stuff people don't know that we ate we, we i think it was over three hundred thousand dollars so these. you got to think of the fees wow. alone we we uh we eat a lot of fees and folks have no idea how much that is because no other no one else will do that they'll say that's a bad business decision and we'll say, well, you know what, we'll make it up some other way because somebody will donate and they'll say put it in your general fund and use it for operational sp- expenses.
3: Frederick, I think you're probably the busiest man in law enforcement, and that's, that's no joke. I mean, you, 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 could, you could very easily do your eight hours with DPT slash marshals and go home and go just enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? Nobody would, nobody would ever talk bad about you, but you don't. You 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 don't stop there. You're here at the DPA. You don't stop there. You're with Pack. You're in Austin. You give up a lot of time. Uh, that wasn't enough for you. So you, you got on the McKinney C- C- City Council, right? <laughs> and um and we'll talk about something you're doing next. And yeah. and we'll get into that in just a second. But I I, I want to know. And, and Randy talked about your why on ATO and 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 legacies. But but what drives you to serve? I, I know I know it comes from a place of serving others. And and but what what is it that drives you and motivates you because i'm telling you just following his social media will exhaust you and think god i i am wasting so much of my time watch because i see what Fred. what drives you to to keep pushing uh in these in these in these service functions uh
0: that's i get that question a lot and uh and the uh, my social media is probably exhausting that's why I dressed up as your social media. That's for why. That's and why this was into, several years ago. Is that even you, what it you is? You might now. have to do that again. Randy. <laughs> I mean, that was such a, That's a. That's a. Uh, that's a costume that keeps on giving, it's, it's, and, and it evolves. It yeah. evolves and so I do sit on city council for McKinney. Uh, I ran that race two years ago, a little over two years ago. I ran against three other gentlemen, um, and I'm, I'm the first serving law enforcement person on city council since since they started city council. and The city started in 1848. Uh, and so, it has been an absolute dream uh, to be on there. Uh, first of all, running a campaign is no dream. There's <laughs> nothing when people say just have fun because there's nothing fun about a campaign, other than when when somebody tells you they're going to endorse you and you're you're the guy, right? And that's 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 when it's fun. But other than that, it's it's a ton of work and it's a ton of time and it's a ton of your family's time. My my family ran the last campaign with me, uh, and Tracy, my wife, my unbelievable wife, campaign manager, and she's taking on the role again. And so what we're doing now <laughs> is I'm running for state rep in McKinney. Uh, it's it's a position I'll never see in my lifetime in my position that I'm in. It's 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 a it's another piece that I want to leave a legacy for, and this one's for my family. <sighs> You always get choked up when you try to do these things. And the one thing is, I don't come from anything. I don't I don't have that legacy in my life and my family. I don't have something that I look back and say, that was awesome that they did that, other than being born. I want to leave something on the ground. I want to leave something that when people say, he did it, <laughs> he went and did it. And so this is that next step that I can go do it, and I can do it good, and I can do it with some common sense, I can do it to where that we're not fighting the Republicans versus the Democrats. And right, I can't talk to him. You can't talk to him. You can't talk to her. I can't talk to her. I am so sick of that. And I think so many people are so sick sure. of that. Now, I am a Republican. I am a hard, if you look at my voting record, I'm a hard Republican. And that's, and that's how I'm very conservative. But there's certain parts of where I hear folks and they're they're so damning they're like they they say things that are just so disgusting to other republicans that just makes me want to think why why do they get in this why do they get in this area of of this of trying to hurt people and and that that's just not who I am i'm going to run a clean race and it's going to be run with dignity and it's going to run with a lot of endorsements and it's going to run with a lot of folks getting behind me we had the kickoff the other night we had over two hundred plus people there. I was not expecting that, and and it's and it's these campaigns grow, and what I want to. So In place people say, well, why are you running? And, it, and everyone always thinks that oh, people are running because they want to be this person or that person. I don't. I don't want to be that person. I don't give a damn about a steak dinner. I don't care about going on a trip. I don't care about that. If anybody knows me, they know I'd rather just be with my family. But I can't take what's going on right now. I cannot take sitting there watching these parties devour each other and not step in and try to make a change. And I know that if I step in there and I can make the change and work with everybody and make us a better place, then others will follow that same example. And when they follow that example, we will be in a better place. And and that's, and that's why I'm running. And so hopefully at a rub off, and God willing, I'll win uh, win this race. And and I'll I'll tell you this: no one's going to outwork me. That's the, that that I've shown that in every race I've run, uh, they're just not going to outrun me, work me. I'm going to work my tail off and leave something. And then, and then there's another thing I've I've got to run for. There's not another law enforcement officer in the house. There's not another officer that's sitting in the house right now. I'd be the only one. So this is not just for me. This is for. Everybody that wears that uniform, whether you're a police or fire, this is for everyone that puts those boots on in the morning and gets up and goes, oh, going to work, Up, oh, going to work an extra job. Uh, these these crappy politicians never do anything for us. Well, that will change because I'll have that door wide open, and it won't be one vote just because I got in. Trust me, I'm going to get other ones to follow my lead, and the other people will do exactly what we need to get done to make this place a better place.
2: I, I think one of the things, you know, watching you over the years grow and the thing you did, I think a lot of people don't realize what you do in Dallas County, city of Dallas, pretty predominantly Democrat, and you've worked with both sides of the aisle, getting police bills passed down there, you know, that you wouldn't do with from Royce West to, uh, um, you know, any of these other guys that are down there. So, I, I you know, I, I don't, I haven't heard you really mention that much, but I know that it can be done because I've seen you do it for police, you know, involved bills to help protect your uh yeah your coworkers and
0: I'll i give you that that's a great bill you know the defunding bill this last session was was a benchmark bill but the also the vest bill was a benchmark bill and that was a, that was another one of the governor's priority bill I I put all that bill together and I and in, and in in Dan Patrick our lieutenant governor he gave it to Royce West and he said you work with Frederick to get this bill done and we did and we and we Kelvin and everyone else we put that bill together and what that bill did was it actually allowed cities to get the grant money from the state, and the state would basically, that money would come out, and then you would basically, if the, if the city didn't have the money to get vest, and I'm not talking about a regular vest, I'm talking level three vest. Level three vest stops a, a, a round, a high-velocity round from a rifle. That's what killed all of our officers during 7-7. Seven, seven. I wanted to change that to where they didn't have to get the big vest out. All they needed was the plate inside of it. And so we wrote the bill, we got the bill passed, it became a priority bill, and and that and that's a legacy bill that when you sit down and you go through all the bills you've done. That one or tuition reimbursement that I did this last session as another legacy bill, it became bill, this, bill became a priority bill for the governor. This uh, defunding bill became a priority bill for the governor. And you t- you have all these ideas in your mind of how to fix things and how to make them work, but somebody's got to give you the chance. And, you know, and I keep giving these bills to make everyone look good. <laughs> and, and, and I and I and then another thing is I keep picking jobs that don't pay crap and, and and so this job doesn't pay anything either so it's like Tracy's like Frederick's really good at fixing things and getting not getting paid <laughs> you know certain people certain people are why wi- are wired for certain things
3: and, and everybody in this in this room right now is wired for law enforcement we know how to go out and work the street I'm not wired to go do what you do you have a you, you I'm too naive and too trusting of people i think I think you have a good way of reading people. you see things you have good you can see things down the road. you can say, "Wait, what are they actually trying to do? you've got good discernment um i think you're perfectly wired for this position um because you've been in austin so long it's not it's not confusing to you 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 you, you know how it works, and I think it would be a big benefit for all force, all first responders uh to have somebody that that truly does understand our job that that will always stand with us. So there's there's my ringing endorsement. Although I don't live in that district. <laughs> Frederick, can
1: you give uh, give the listeners information about where to go look at your information oh, for your campaign,
0: please? Yeah, please. that would be nice. Yeah, and, well, try and, to fit that in. Yeah, <laughs> try to fit it in. And, and 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 you also could donate. So it's right, this, yep. these races aren't cheap. And uh, but if if you are listening, you're you're wondering who am I? What am I? And what am I about? Uh, my splash page is up, which is turning into a web page. But it's at fraser for texas dot, uh, dot com and that's fraser, frazier, f r a z i e r for f o r texas t e x a s dot com and if you go there you can see that's a little bit history about me and who i am um and that's and these races are expensive they're you know they get a they get up to where a million dollars for these races because it's an open seat and we're we're uh we're doing it we're doing it the old way we're doing it we're doing it organically with my family. Like I said, Tracy is my campaign manager. Uh, my treasurer is an old mayor of ours uh, that is uh, Bar- Mayor Miller, a great guy, and I've got a ton of support already. Uh, we're just moving this campaign along as they're supposed to move along.
3: Frazier's easier to spell than
1: Frederick. Yeah, Six yeah. An extra E. Yeah. When you were sitting there talking about as in politics, of coming to a common ground, you know, but Republican, Democrat, and the right now there's just so much, just animosity on both sides. It, it's really who can sling the most shit and get and get somebody else the dirtiest.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's where we've gone. And it it and it, I've had this conversation twice a day, and that's where we've gone. I'm if, if i was like, it's "Like, who would you idolize if you was a president that was out there?" And I said Ronald Reagan, right off. That's that's right off the bat. He's I, seen both sides. He's, yeah. He was, you seen both sides, and, and but the biggest thing is the conservative values that, that go through my blood are the same type of values. And especially when it goes through public safety, education, transportation, all those things have to happen. I'll give you an example, like our border right now. Our border is an absolute mess, I spoke on it yesterday morning, and it's a mess because of who's in the office. It's not, that's the only mess it's in is because of who's in office. And and if and I know that there's there's a right way to do it, and then there was like, well, the, well, you can't just put those kids in in concentration camps or detention camps. We can't, but we have to do something better than that. And and there there's a way to fix that and fight and find a way in the middle. But we can't leave the border wide open. And that's and that's what's happening right now. With look, give me an example. In, in September we had two hundred fifty thousand cross. So. You're, that's Texas in a pandemic. In a yeah, in a, in a <laughs> pandemic. Know? There's no pandemic down there. Right. And so, but you, those are those are issues that are start from, affecting Texas. They so affect
3: Texas issues that people outside of Texas are making policy on, leaving us out of the conversation.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem. I mean, our our president, our current president, as I know right now, still has not visited there. He,
3: he drove
0: through one of them. Oh yeah, that's he right. He did drove up. State. So, but but you have that so issues like that that drive me crazy. And not one man can fix that. It has to take everybody. It has to be taking everybody, putting them together as a team, putting them together to see both sides of it, because it doesn't affect just Republicans. It affects Democrats as well. And that sh- that's where that divide is right now in our country, and that needs to be fixed. Fred, i
1: got one final question. Yep. Go ahead and wrap this baby up. Uh, what's next for Fred Fraser?
0: Hey, there's nothing next for Frederick Fraser right now. I got to get elected to the state house. That's the only thing next. You're going to get elected. Yeah.
1: So I've got. What, my, what is your What
0: is your vision? Moving beyond, you know, my vision is getting getting this election past us, uh, winning and getting past, and then trying to do great things for the state of Texas, but incorporate them to for you know not just for McKinney but for everybody. And uh, you obviously have to take care of the district that you that you win. Uh, but but mckinney is is a special place uh, folks that live there and, and are going to be listening mckinney is so awesome to where the, the the we still wave at each other and we still you know doors are unlocked you know that it's it's one of those places where america has you know has has like like they forgot about it we still have the hot air balloons that fly every morning when it's not windy today would have been a hell of a day to fly yeah. uh, fly a hot air balloon, but but it's one of those special places in, in Collin County that that, uh, that that the time is a little bit forgotten. We've, we're still back in the, the good old days. But the but but what if what do I have? What's left me is is to try to bring some of that back to America, try to bring some of that back to Texas. Some some of Collin County needs to come back to all parts of of Texas to understand that we can still wave at each other. You know, we can still live next door to anybody. We can still we can still have some of the lowest crime. Uh, you know, all those things that are incorporated in McKinney can happen everywhere. We just got to work together on it. Well put in a perfect way to wrap it up, man.
1: <laughs> I I wish you all the luck. We're going to be here supporting you all the way. And go to atodallas.org and then also look up Frederick Frazier.
0: No, Frazier for Texas. Frazier for Texas. Yeah.
4: Dot <laughs> <laughs> com. Dot com. <laughs> That's it. Right. Thank you so much. Brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you Hey mrs, hey mister, I'll see this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you When you're lonely, I'll pull you up. Life leaves you heavy when the going gets tough. I'll be your shoulder. Together we'll run up from the bottom. Yeah, we'll rise above. Hey brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you. is a mister, I'll see this all the way. give up on you hey missus hey mister i'll see this all the way through no matter how far for the gold and the blue i'll never give up on you